0: Welcome to the Life Together podcast. Life Together is a Wednesday gathering for worship, Bible study, and community at Discover Church in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. We hope that this week's message will encourage you and challenge you. Our mission here at Discover Church is to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be.
1: If you turn your Bibles today to the book of Psalms, chapter 106, we're going to get to the book of Judges here in a few minutes, but we're going to start in Psalm 106. Psalm 106 is a song of praise. It is a song of worship. And the attribute of God that is being worshiped in this Psalm is God's faithfulness. Wow, God has been so faithful. He has been constant and reliable and true, and everything that He said, He does. But this psalm isn't only about God's faithfulness, it's also about our unfaithfulness. Sometimes when I'm trying to tell you how awesome something is, it helps if I compare it to something else. So if I tell you that Lake Michigan is awesome, you might believe me. But if I begin to compare Lake Michigan to a puddle in our parking lot, you might then understand in a greater way how awesome Lake Michigan is. And that's what the psalmist does. He says, isn't God so faithful even though we've been so unfaithful? If I was to summarize Psalm 106 into a sentence, it would look like this. Even though we've been so unfaithful to God, God has been so faithful to us. When I compare my unfaithfulness to God's faithfulness, I am stunned at how good he is. Let's read an excerpt from this psalm together. This is verse 7 through 13. Our ancestors in Egypt were not impressed by the Lord's miraculous deeds. Can you imagine being at that spot in life where you would say, I am not impressed by the Lord's miraculous deeds. They soon forgot his many acts of kindness to them. Instead, they rebelled against them at the Red Sea. Even so, he saved them to defend the honor of his name and to demonstrate his mighty power. He commanded the Red Sea to dry up. He led Israel across the sea as if it were a desert. So he rescued them from their enemies and redeemed them from their foes. Then the water returned and covered their enemies. Not one of them survived. Then his people believed his promises. Then they sang his praise, yet how quickly they forgot what he had done. Before we pick up our series this week, I want to tell you it's week three, and I have already kind of reached that moment of dizziness that can happen with the people of Israel. They go back and forth and back and forth. They remember God, they forget God. They remember God, they forget God. And I just want to take a moment and thank God. For his faithfulness. I am so thankful that God is faithful even when I am unfaithful. His faithfulness is not contingent on me. He is not waiting for me to get it together in order for him to be good. Even when I forget him, he remembers me. Second Timothy 2.13 says, If we are unfaithful, how many in the room have been unfaithful? If we are unfaithful, he is still faithful because he cannot deny who he is. Isn't that awesome? I'm so thankful for that today. You know, in, in this series, it is easy as you're watching these, these Israelites mess up over and over and over again. It is very easy to lean into the temptation of pride and sit back and say, well, I, I wouldn't do that. You know, I'm, I'm better than that. I'm, I'm more stable than that. I'm more obedient than that. I'm more trustworthy than that. But in those moments, I have felt the Holy Spirit speak to me, catch my attention, and say, Dan, you do the exact same thing. That in your spirit, you go back and forth, and aren't you so thankful that even in my unfaithfulness, God is still faithful. Praise his name. God is good. I want to reread our mission statement for this series, and it goes like this. Behind every rebellion is the opportunity for reconciliation. Behind every failure is the opportunity for forgiveness, and behind every imperfect hero is a perfect God. We're walking into Judges chapter 4 today to meet our third judge of the series. So Othniel was the first, Ehud was the second, and now Deborah is the third. Deborah is the only female judge listed in all of the Bible, and she is the only judge who does not wield a sword. She stands on her own. Author Timothy Keller writes, Deborah is very different from all the other judges, before and after her. She led from wisdom and character rather than sheer might. Isn't that an awesome compliment? If someone was evaluating your leadership, if you were their boss or supervisor, and they spoke about you in this way, wouldn't that be great? To say that you are leading with wisdom and character rather than sheer might. Might. Deborah is going to inspire us today into a conversation about leadership. Even though Deborah is an imperfect leader, she can point us to the perfect leadership of Christ. So let's turn now to Judges chapter 4. We're going to stay in Judges chapter 4 for the remainder of our night tonight. Let's kick off by reading verses 1 through 4. After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Heresheth Hagoim. Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at the time. Let's pray as we walk into God's word together tonight. Father, we thank you for this room. We thank you that you have brought us here together as brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that you would allow us to be shaped by your word tonight. I pray that if there are places in our life that we have been withholding from you, I pray that you would challenge us to open our arms and welcome you into every corner of our existence. We need you. We trust you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Deborah has an awesome name. So her name literally translates as Honeybee, which is really kind of a cool name. Like if you had a daughter, that'd be fun to name your daughter Honeybee. And her name is appropriate as you see what she does in the story. First of all, she is sweet. And her wise leadership over Israel is like honey to the people of Israel. She brings good things and delight to her people. And then she is also to her enemy she's going to be like a bee that is going to sneak up and sting them. They are not going to see what's happening with the attack that's going to come from Deborah. Even Deborah's husband has a cool name. His name is Lapidoth, and his name translates as fiery or torches. This is why Deborah is sometimes referred to as the woman of torches or the fiery woman. And I love what this says about their relationship. In their community, Lapidoth is not the person of authority Deborah is. She is the judge. She is the prophetess. And yet, in her leadership, she is submitted to the leadership of her husband. I want to tell you the only leader that you should worry about is the leader who can't tell you who they're submitting to. We are all people who are under submission to authority. And Deborah's authority in her life is fire. And I think that's really cool. Uh, Ladies, I would imagine that you would think it'd be really cool to be able to think about your, your spouse, your husband, and say, man, my man is so hot that he sets me on fire to do the work that God has called me to do. That he is this blazing torch that lights me up to go do the vision that God has called me to. I think that's so cool. That is a good man, and that is a great woman. I want to consider four leadership lessons tonight from the story of Deborah. We're going to watch her lead, and then we're going to see what the Holy Spirit will teach us about godly leadership. Judges 4, 6, and 7 says this. One day, Deborah sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor, and I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. This is very interesting, and some of this is going to come back in a minute. There are 12 tribes of Israel, and yet in this prophecy, Deborah calls her friend Barak to seek out an army from two of the tribes, not all of them but there are two that have been called out to lead this. And then Sisera is the leader of the enemy's army. So he says, I'm not just going to call out the good guys. I'm going to call out the good guys, and I'm going to call out the bad guys. This is where you're going to meet, and then God is going to have victory. Deborah makes two wise leadership decisions in these two verses, and the first one is this. Deborah receives her vision from the Lord. Deborah isn't attempting to lead any revolutions. She's not running for office. The job that exists in Milwaukee that would probably probably be the most similar to Deborah's job would be like the judge at a small claims court. So there's no jury involved. She would be someone serving in a civic role in her city where they would come in and they would bring their complaints, their financial concerns, their relational troubles, uh, issues with family, issues with neighbors, and she would listen. She would hear their complaints, she would seek godly wisdom, and then she would give her answer, and they had to answer to her. God had led her into this. God had given her the vision to become a judge, and now God was giving her the vision to take over an oppressive regime. You know, I enjoy getting to know people, and if I had time tonight, I would love to sit down at every table and one by one ask you a good question, and the question would be, what is your vision? What is it that you're dreaming about and thinking about and fighting for? What does that look like for you in one year or five years or 50 years? Where are you headed? That's a very great question to ask, and yet there is a question that is better than that one, and the better question would be, where did your vision come from? In this season of life, where, what dreams are you pursuing, but not just what dreams, whose dreams are you pursuing? Whose plans are you chasing after? I don't want to hear about the specifics of your vision until I can hear about the starting point of your vision. Did your vision come from God? If Deborah in any other setting had decided to take over, expand her territory, gain more power, take over a land, it would have been Deborah's vision. This was not Deborah's vision. Her vision came from God. Deborah receives her vision from God and she quickly recognizes something. God has given her a vision that she cannot accomplish on her own. Deborah's second leadership decision is this. Deborah recruits the resources to accomplish the vision. Deborah is not a warrior and yet God has just asked her to go to war. Can you imagine if you were the one who got the phone call from God? I'm pre- I, I don't know if I do have anyone in the room right now who's an active military? I Have anybody? Yeah, so uh, if it's not you, and you got the call tomorrow to go to war, you would think, God, I think you have the wrong person. And Deborah was not a warrior, and yet God was calling her to war. And so the first thing that she did is she began to recruit the resources needed in order to accomplish the vision. It was the vision God had given her, and now it was time for her to assemble a team. Great leaders are great recruiters. They recognize what is needed, and they go after the people and the resources needed to accomplish the vision. It's uh, wild throughout the time of, of year that I get really busy with all of the Christmas production stuff that's going on. I love doing Christmas production. It's one of the things I enjoy. I've liked musical theater and plays and things like that since I was a kid. But can you imagine how poorly things would go for me if over the next four months I decided to do the entire Christmas production by myself? By spent my Saturdays building the set by myself, if I sewed the costumes myself, if I cast myself into every role, how often do we do this in life? How often does God give you a vision and then you try and pull it off all by yourself? I imagine the second and third week of December, man, if I had to shovel the parking lot by myself, we'd just be done. It'd just be, it'd be over. You'd be stuck on 13th Street thinking, I thought they were going to have a musical this year at Christmas. But we do this. One way that you know your vision is from God is if you can't accomplish it by yourself. And yet, many times we get that vision and we just try and figure out how to do it ourselves and we're just going to keep coming up short without building the team that God wants you to build. I want to do a little self-assessment about your leadership today. I'm going to ask you five questions and just give you a little pause between each one of these questions for you to answer yourself in your head. Question number one. Are you good at asking for help? Question number two Are you an enjoyable person to partner with? Someone once said in leadership where there is no fun, there is no one. (laughs) Question number three Do you view the people around you as generally helpful or generally unhelpful? Question number four How often do you express goals out loud? Are you the person who just dives into a project? Or do you tell your friend or your spouse or your coworker the goals you want to accomplish? Question number five How often do you leave goals uncompleted? I believe that God wants everyone in this room to expand their skills as a godly leader. Every one of us has opportunities for leadership growth that we can be the kind of leaders who lead people into God's vision. Amen? Deborah recruits Barak, but there's just one problem. Barak isn't ready to do this alone. Let's read verses 8 and 9. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went from Barak to Kadesh. The third leadership decision that Deborah makes here is this. Number three, Deborah supports Barack. She recruits a team, and then she walks alongside him. Barack is aware that he may have the skill and the might, but he doesn't have the influence, and he doesn't have the anointing. If Barack attempts this on his own, he will not be victorious, and so Deborah goes with him. I'm so thankful for so many of the mentors that have walked with me along my path. One of the ones that was really close to me early on is a man named Tom Matrone. He's the director of the music department at Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri. And he was one of the first people who gave me opportunity as a pianist. Um, and it was accompanying a choir rehearsal. So we had a choir rehearsal five days a week. And it's, it's a tricky skill because you're reading music from like five or six different lines all at the same time. And it's a lot of sight reading where you don't get time to practice. You just have to play as the music is put in front of you five minutes ago. And I was not great at it. And so I remember... <laughs> Him correcting me throughout the rehearsal where he would be talking to the choir and then he would just interject my corrections. Flat, sharp, and helping me get get this music right. He would walk over whenever I was rushing the tempo and he would just put one hand on my shoulder and both of us knew what that meant. It meant, slow down, Dan. Chill out. You're rushing. And those voices in my life, those voices in your life are so meaningful. They are the things that shape us, the things that lead us to success, to have someone who is going to walk alongside us. Here's the trouble. We are always ready to be surrounded by mature and talented people, and yet we can be so unwilling to invest in the immature and the untalented. I want to ask you, who in your life is immature and untalented? And don't tell them that. Are you taking time out of your day, out of your week, out of your month to invest in people that you would like to see them grow? You know, discipleship and mentoring is a untimed harvest. If I plant a corn kernel in the ground, about three months later, I will have corn. But if I invest in a person, there is no way of knowing when that is going to grow to a place of fruitfulness. There are some people who soak up wisdom like a sponge and will grow faster than you would ever expect. And there are some people who will just be outright defiant to the investment that you are making in their lives. There will be some people that you will not see fruitfulness for years. There are some people who their fruitfulness will not come until after your death. And yet God has called you to invest into them and to walk alongside them. Barak goes to Kadesh and he recruits 10,000 soldiers— not from all 12 tribes, just from two tribes. He would not have been able to do that without Deborah's influence and Deborah's anointing. So they walk together. She leads him into success on the next step of the journey, but then they reach the moment when their paths part. Judges 4 verse 14 says, then Deborah said to Barak, get ready. This is is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led the 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. The fourth leadership decision that Deborah makes is this. Deborah sends Barak. This is one of the ways that the story of Deborah is unlike any of the other stories in Judges. All of the other Judges feature a single hero, where the judge is the hero— and that's not how the story of Deborah works. The story of Deborah is the story of three heroes. Three three heroes. I've introduced you to two of them. I want to tell you about all three. So Deborah is the hero who uses her wisdom, her leadership, and her influence to lead Israel to success. Barak is the young military leader who uses his might and his fierceness to lead them to success. And then there's a third hero in the story, and her name is Jael, and she does something absolutely crazy. So so Cicera is the leader of the army. As they're beginning to come down this hillside, they see that their defeat is among them, that everyone is running. And so the leader of the enemy's army escapes, and he finds this old kind of friend. The husband's out. The wife is there. The wife's name is Jael, and they're kind of friends. And he's running and fleeing for his life. Could I stay here and hide in your tent? She says, yeah. She takes care of him, she gives him some water, and she waits for him to fall asleep. Well, I don't know if you've ever had a middle school girl turn on you, but they're not actually friends. (laughs) So Jael grabs a tent peg, and while he's sleeping, goes over there and grabs a hammer and puts the tent peg through his head and kills the leader of the enemy's army. It's a crazy story. little beautiful side note is that in that time period, uh. The tent-making was the woman's job. It was part of the woman's duties around the house was to put up and down the tent when they would relocate places. And so this woman takes not what would be a man's weapon. She takes a woman's weapon and comes in here and conquers the leader of the enemy's armies. These three heroes work together to find this. And the reason this success comes is because someone is willing to hand off leadership. A wise leader knows when to support someone and when to send someone. As they're standing at the top of Mount Tabor, Deborah says, I've waited with you, but now you're going to do this next step on your own. Can you imagine if Deborah decided to like struggle down the mountain as like a a world-class helicopter mom with her Barack, the leader of the army, like, careful, careful. There's goat poop over there. Careful, stop. Wait, look for traffic. Okay, now we go. And moving down, there had to reach a point in her leadership where she said, we came together this far, and now I'm sending you on your way. Pastor Craig Rochelle is a pastor in Oklahoma. and He teaches that when someone is 60% ready, it is time for you to get out of the way. If you are waiting for them to be 100% ready, they will never be ready, and you will never Get out of the way. I have a son who is able to mow the lawn 60% as well as me or Mandy. And I'm ready to get out of the way. (laughs) Opportunity is necessary for success. Opportunity and challenge are mandatory ingredients for growth. Can you imagine if Deborah would have hustled down that mountain with him? No, she needed to let him Deborah's ability to lead and to let go are key markers to her success. And when Deborah lets go, she acknowledges the only true and perfect leader. In verse 14, she says, Go into victory, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. You're not going to win because of my leadership. You're going to win today because Christ is a perfect leader. In John chapter 16, Jesus is ready to have this exact same moment with his disciples. He has walked alongside them for three and a half years, and now it's time for them to go forward on their own. I want you to hear the coaching that Jesus gives them as he begins to start the path to leaving them. Verses 12 through 14 in the book of John, he says, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. I want to make sure you caught everything I just said. So Jesus is with them, and he reaches the moment that Deborah reached when he said, I have walked alongside you. And now it's time for me to send you. You have to go on this next step by yourself. And Jesus explains the relationship of the Trinity in the leadership of our lives. And he says, okay, I, Jesus Christ is the perfect leader. And everything that he has, he gets from where? From the Heavenly Father. He says, my Father has given everything to me. And then there's the Spirit. And who did Jesus leave behind to be our guide? He left us with the Holy Spirit. He says, everything the Spirit says to you is him speaking for me. So he's going to tell you what I want to tell you, and everything that I have came to me from the Father. He said, this is how the leadership in your life is going to work. And so if you want to see perfect leadership in your life, but the best plan is to submit to Jesus Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to speak words of wisdom into your life. This is exactly what Deborah says. She says, okay, I'm leaving you now. I'm sending you, but don't worry because the Lord of heaven is marching ahead of you. You, you might get ahead of me, but you're, you're never going to get ahead of him. There's something fascinating that happens in Judges chapter 5, and this is the only Judges story that works this way. So we've walked through tonight all the way through chapter 4. You hear the entire story of Deborah in a historical approach, where they're telling you the facts of what happened, who said what, who won, who didn't win, and just walking you through the story. In Judges chapter 5, it retells the exact same story, but it does it in a completely different way because Judges chapter 5 switches over to poetry. I'm going to ask Mandy to come join me. So one of Deborah's many gifts is she is a prophet, and she is also a poet. So after the victory of chapter 4, she writes this song, and she sings the story all the way through chapter 5. And the way I want to close tonight is I want to ask Mandy to help me out here, and she is going to take—it'll take three or four minutes— and read us all the way through chapter 5. We'll have the words up on the screen here, or if you want to follow along in your Bible, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And I just want to take the time tonight to allow these words of worship and praise to be spoken over us. I think you're now going to catch all of the characters in the story as we read through. Remember, it wasn't all 12 tribes that responded. It was just two. Remember, the leader of the enemy's army is a man named Sisera. And she's going to call him out. Remember the crazy lady with the tent peg? Her name was Jael. And you're going to hear all of those characters now in the poetic version of the story. Let's just take some moments tonight and listen to the word of God.
0: On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang this song. Israel's leaders took charge, and the people gladly followed. Praise the Lord. Listen, you kings. Pay attention, you mighty rulers, for I will sing to the Lord. I will make music to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you set out from Seir and marched across the fields of Edom, the earth trembled, and the cloudy skies poured down rain. The mountains quaked in the presence of the Lord, the God of this Mount Sinai. In the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel, in the days of Shamgar, son of Ana and in the days of Jael, people avoided the main roads and travelers stayed on winding pathways. There were few people left in the village of Israel villages of Israel until Deborah rose as the mother of Israel. When Israel chose new gods, war erupted at the city gates. Yet not a shield or spear could be seen among 40,000 warriors in Israel. My heart is in the commanders of Israel with those who volunteered for war. Praise the Lord! Consider this, you who ride on fine donkeys, you who sit on fancy saddle blankets, and you who walk along the road. Listen to the village musicians gathered at the watering holes. They recount the righteous victories of the Lord and the victories of his villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord marched down to the city gates. Wake up, Deborah, wake up, wake up, wake up and sing a song, arise, Barak. Lead your captives away, son of Abinoam. Down from Tabor marched the few against the nobles. The peoples of the Lord marched down against mighty warriors. They came down from Ephraim, a land that once belonged to the Amalekites. They followed you, Benjamin, with your troops troops. From Makir, the commanders marched down. From Zebulun came those who carry a commander's staff. The princes of Issachar were with Deborah and Barak. They followed Barak, rushing into the valley. But in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. Why did you sit at home among the sheepfolds to hear the shepherds whistle for their flocks? Yes, in the tribe of Reuben there was great indecision. Gilead remained east of the Jordan. And why did Dan stay home? Asher sat unmoved at the seashore remaining in his harbors, but Zebulun risked his life, as did Neftali in the heights of the battlefield. The kings of Canaan came and fought at Tanakh near Megiddo Springs, but they carried off no silver treasures. The stars fought from heaven. The stars in their orbits fought against Sisera. The Kishon River swept them away, that ancient torrent. The Kishon, march on with courage, my soul. Then the horses' hooves hammered to the ground, the galloping, galloping of Sisera's mighty steeds. Let the people of Meraz be Cursed, said the angel of the Lord. Let them be utterly cursed, because they did not come to help the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty warriors. Most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. May she be blessed among all women who live in tents. Sisera asked for water, and she gave him milk. In a bowl fit for nobles, she brought him yogurt. Then with her left hand, she reached for a tent peg. And with her right hand for the workman's hammer, she struck Sisera with the hammer, crushing his head. With a shattering blow, she pierced his temples. He sank, he fell, he lay still at her feet, and where he sank, there he died. From the window, Sisera's mother looked out. Through the window, she watched for his return, saying, "'Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why don't we hear the sound of chariot wheels?' Her wise women answered, and she repeats these words to herself, "'They must be dividing the captured plunger with a woman or two for every man. There will be colorful robes for Sisera and colorful embroidered robes for me.' Yes, the plunder will include colorful robes embroidered on both sides. Lord, may all your enemies die like Sisera, but may those who love you rise like the sun in all its power. Then there was peace in the land for 40 years.
1: I want to pray for you tonight, and I want to pray two things. I want to pray that you would be fully submitted to the leadership of Christ. And I want to pray that God would empower your leadership to the vision that he has called you to. Let's pray together. Father, we submit ourselves to you. You are the king of our lives. The only leader you should ever be afraid of is the one who doesn't know who they're submitted to. And I pray, Lord, that every leader in this room would bow their head to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I thank you for your good grace. I thank you that you've not left us alone and that even now... As you sit at the right hand of the Father, you have given us your Spirit, and we can be people of the Spirit to hear your voice, to hear your wisdom, your direction in our lives. Speak words of repentance, speak words of encouragement, speak words of comfort, and lead us, God. I want to pray tonight that you would expand the leadership of the people in this room. For those who have desires to see growth, who feel like you have given them a vision, I pray, Lord, that you would empower their leadership. Teach them, disciple them to be wise leaders. Disciple them to be passionate leaders, inspirational leaders, to see your vision accomplished. We love you. We thank you for this night. We thank you for your compassion upon us. We thank you for our friendships in this room. We thank you for your grace. And I pray, Lord, that you would just guide every single person from this place and back into your house. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we see you in person. Join us Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. right here at Discover Church. Find us online at discoverchurch.org.